0: Hey, it's Jen Garrett here, and welcome to the Move the Ball podcast. I've helped thousands of people to develop their own personal game plan to achieve that next level of greatness. Now, I'm on a mission to help you utilize the same tools and strategies of professional athletes, Fortune 500 executives, and successful entrepreneurs to elevate your hustle and get you across your goal line. So get ready. It's your time to move the ball. Hey everyone, Jen Garrett here. It's great to be back with you for another episode of move the ball. If this is your first time listening, welcome. And if you've been a part of the move the ball community for quite some time, I'm glad that you're here with us today. And also, something that I want to mention before we get into today's show is you guys know that this podcast is really about giving you tools, strategies, habits, advice, and things that you can put into your playbook to help you to achieve those big goals that you have in your life. So what I want you to do is be sure to check out the show notes as in there, you'll see a link to a goal setting worksheet to help you stay focused and get you organized so that you can move the ball and move towards those goals. And feel free to share that with anyone that you think may find it valuable as well. All right. So let's get into today's show. I've been looking forward to this chat for quite some time, as today's guest is someone who was on the show last season as part of my Path to the Draft series. As many of you know, we are about to kick off the 2021 Path to the Draft series. And before we did that, I wanted to have someone from last year's series come on and talk about his journey over the past year. So today, inside the huddle with us is Isaiah Wright. Isaiah is currently a wide receiver for the Washington football team. Isaiah was picked up as an undrafted free agent last April and quickly established himself as an important part of Washington's growing offense last season. Prior to the NFL, Isaiah played college football at Temple University, where during his college career, he had been named special teams player of the year and a sporting news first team All-American special teamer. Isaiah, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you for having me, Jen. Well,
0: Isaiah, I'm so excited to have you back on the show, as you know, and congratulations again. I've really enjoyed following you on your journey over the past year, and I know in the off season, you've been traveling, you've been down in Tampa training, and just enjoying life too. So I'm glad we could get you back on the show and excited to have you here with us today. So let's kick off our chat today, where we left off last time with the Path to the Draft series Last time I asked you what separated you from other people. And you had told me that it was your ability to adapt and persevere in the moment and being able to maneuver through difficult situations. When we spoke last time, we were in the middle of this brand new thing called the coronavirus pandemic, and people didn't know what was going on, and the world was forced to shut down and to adapt. So talk to us about what that was like for you. I know that Pro Days ended up getting canceled uh, last year. So talk to us about that journey, because Temple ended up canceling their Pro Day. And how was that journey like for you between getting ready for Pro Day and then going into the draft?
1: Well, you know, as you can already guess, it was very difficult and challenging, but fortunately for me, I had a good team and a good support system that helped me create an alternative. So, yes, I didn't have my pro day. So, what I ended up doing was going to my old high school, which is Kingswood, Oxford. They allowed for me to use the field and record my drills or whatever to send to the scouts and the teams. And that's kind of what I did for a Pro Day in regards to like training and stuff and preparing. That was also very challenging just because, you know, I had to train for something that I didn't know when would actually happen. So it was just difficult because I didn't know how much I should do. And if I was doing enough, you know what I'm saying? Also dealing with the, the difficult scheduling of everything else, you know, because of Corona. so that time like you said before it helped me with my foundation of being able to adapt to adversity before i even faced big adversity other than that though everything has been kind of smooth sailing for the most part it was just more so just training you know what you got to do you got to just do it and it's difficult to be consistent when you know you got distractions around so I just made sure that I didn't have distractions at that time because I knew how important that opportunity was. And when when you got a, a big opportunity like the one I had, you can't afford to mess those opportunities up. So that is what kept me motivated in a time where it was a lot of uncertainty.
0: Sure. And when coronavirus happened, like I said, the world shut down. So gyms by you were shut down, couldn't get to the track. And so you ended up having to be creative and adapt in your workouts, watching YouTube workouts, running in the street. Talk to us a little bit about what did you do differently because you could not access the things that you normally had counted on being available to use?
1: Well, fortunately for me, you know, back home, I have a lot of support, you know what I'm saying? So I have friends that I could reach out to. I had a good friend named Markel Newsom. Fortunately for me, like, he always as motivated as me. Fortunately, he wasn't able to take his talents to the league, but he still prepares as if that's what he was trying to accomplish. So with, with that type of friendship and that type of motivation, it was easy for me to stay on top of my stuff because I wanted to get to where I wanted to get, but I also had somebody to push me. And, you know, I was fortunate for that because a lot of people didn't even have that. And what also helped me was I knew I couldn't go to the gyms. I knew I had to sweat, become conditioned all at once, so I was constantly every day just running. Uh, Honestly, I would do more than I had to so that I could feel like I was making up for the missed time. So it was just me putting over time so that I could feel satisfied with what I've done and it wasn't nothing out of the ordinary, it was all simple things it was just me being consistent with my craft and my process at that time
0: And I'm glad you mentioned consistency because that's something else that we talked about last time you were on the show as well as consistency is so important and trusting the process as well. One of the things that you've said before, too, is that by playing at Temple University and that football program, they prepared you to deal with things in a different way and knowing how to plan for the uncomfortable things that come about. Can you talk to us about how you had to push yourself into the uncomfortable space going through this coronavirus pandemic last year?
1: Well, I'm be honest with you, being an undrafted free agent, I didn't have a lot of money. So then to make the 53 roster and you come into all this money, it's very easy to become complacent. You know what I'm saying? But at the same time, I understood what my position was. And for anybody that's listening, when you understand what position you are in and the opportunity that you have, that itself will be enough to drive you if you really care about what you are doing. You know what I'm saying? I do what I do because I love football and I love the game and I love everything about it. And the perks of it, I know that I'll be able to help my family change my life and stuff like that. So, any opportunity that I had to do something I love and also benefit the others that I love that are in my life that would help me stay motivated and that would help me be consistent because it would always remind me that it's not just about me. You know what I'm saying? And I don't have to do a lot and I would be able to still do a lot in regards to changing somebody else's life or just just little things. I just understood how important little things were and how big of an impact it would have later on in my life.
0: Sure, I love that. So you sign as an undrafted free agent. Talk to us about what it was like after that moment. How did you feel? What did you do? Just share with us the next few months going up to rookie minicamp.
1: Man, I find out I made the team. You know, it was funny. I always told people like, "Yeah, if I get to the league, I'm gonna be cool about it." No, it did not go none of the ways that I said it would have went. I probably cried for like twenty minutes. Then I was just sitting there like, "Wow." Like, and then feel real, you know, people just get to see the good, you know what I'm saying? As a human being, we all go through situations that we have to triumph or just things that we have to get better at. And to go through the things that I went through and still get on the team, like that was a big milestone from it. And it showed me that hard work does pay off because sometimes a lot of people do put a lot of work in, but unfortunately, it seems to them like their hard work doesn't pay off because they don't get the result that they were striving for. So I was just, I felt real blessed and made me want to continue to get my blessings. And that was around the time where I started to transition into a more positive Mental and just everything about me was positive, and I was just trying to create that dynamic and actually stay with that dynamic. And I'm be honest with you, that's what really helped me throughout my season was just understanding that you can't control everything. You can only control what you do, and as long as the things that you can control are positively affecting you, you really can't go wrong. And you know, I started receiving more blessings and more blessings and more blessings. So. The more blessings I received, the more motivated I was to kind of keep that process.
0: Sure. And, and I've read that you ended up writing a list of goals and those goals included contribute, get 1% better every day, remain poised and remain hungry. Tell us more about those.
1: It's very easy to become complacent when you feel like you checked your list off. My goal was to make it to the league and I did that. So it was like, OK, what else do I want to do in this league? I want to contribute. I know what I can bring towards my team and for the organization. I just have to show that. And what is going to be the best way for me to do so? And how can I do that? And, you know, at that time, I couldn't do too much. I'm still unknown. I didn't really make a name for myself yet. So I would just remind myself to stay voiced because sometimes things are going to seem as if things are really rocky. Sometimes things are going to seem like it is really good and you have to be able to manage both sides of that spectrum. So that's why I would always tell myself to remain poised. Just like I said, it's very easy to get complacent. So I always would remind myself to stay hungry because the hungry me is what got me where I was. So I couldn't lose that. And I wanted to get 1% better every day because I was the type of person that always felt like I had to do too much. And with me doing too much, it led to a lot of unnecessary situations or just things that I went through that I'm going to have to. So when I just focused on getting better a little at a time, that's exactly what happened because that's what I put my focus on. I wasn't doing too much. so Every little goal that I had was just something that reminded me of how to stay true to the things that I wanted to do so that I could perform the way that I did or how I wanted to for my organization.
0: Yeah, I love that. Thanks for sharing that. And one other thing I wanted to ask you about is when we spoke last time, you had told me that you pride yourself on being an electric player, someone that sparks the team and keeps people uplifted. So along the lines of you talking about positivity and those kind of vibes, can you share with us some of the things that you did this past season to keep your teammates fired up?
1: truthfully, I like to be the exciting player. I want to be known as the exciting player. So one example is, you know, we was playing the Lions. And I just felt like, you know, the team needed something. And I'm like, I could go up to everybody and just sit here and be like, come on, we got this. And just be positive. Or I could do what I do best. When I get an opportunity, I'm going to just do something exciting in hopes that, you know, it'll be an energy booster. And it was a play when I had caught a bubble screen. And I jumped over one of the defenders and I I tried to still keep my balance and score. But honestly, I can see the difference in the momentum of the game and just the difference in the team and how we were carrying ourselves from that possession. So little subtle things like that made me feel good because I felt like I was contributing. It might not have been the biggest play or the most sexiest play, but the fact that my goals were is what I was accomplishing in that moment. That's what made me the most satisfied.
0: Sure. And it doesn't always have to be the sexiest play or the fanciest play to really ignite the team and get people around you excited. Exactly. So what I want to ask you is transitioning from college to the NFL is a big deal. The game is a lot faster. People talk about the speed of the game being different for you. What was the biggest eye opening change going from college to pro?
1: I'm going to be so honest with you. So it really wasn't that different because of how I prepared myself in college. Like, I was always the person that was very paranoid. Like I told you before, I always felt like I had to go above and beyond. And I guess that that paranoia kind of helped me going to the league because I was so paranoid and failing that I would always put myself in positions to not fail. And when I got to the league, I did the same thing. So it really wasn't difficult in terms of meshing. But... I will say the speed was very different because when you first get there, you're in your head. You're not even there playing. You're in there thinking about what is this coach thinking? or well, How do I look? I hope I don't mess up. Like, you feel me? You, you're in your head. So people say the game is fast because they're not even participating in the game. They're just in there. You know what I'm saying? But once you calm down, and you don't worry about those things, and you understand what what your task is, and you just do that at, at 100%, it's really hard to mess up. Like, honestly, if you really know what you're doing, you can do it at 100%. And once I really started to see that I was grading well, I was playing well, it was then easier for me to allow the game to slow down instead of me continuously speeding it up.
0: Sure. And last year when we spoke, you had talked about how you had made some changes to your habits throughout your college career earlier in your career weren't really focused on sleep and diet and how you changed that and you noticed the impact that made. You've talked earlier about shifting to a positive mindset and how that's been really helpful for you as well. Are there any other habits that you've put into place over the last year that you think has been helpful? I I know you're a hard worker. You're someone that's prepared. Are there other things that you've done differently over the past year just to take your game to the next level?
1: Yes. One thing I would like to highlight for anybody who's listening is it is okay to be comfortable, but sometimes being too comfortable is the issue. When you become too comfortable, you become complacent. So I, I realized that it was too comfortable in my ways, And some of my agent had challenged me. And once Ed had challenged me, and once he had did that, it kind of showed me more about myself. Because at one time I was very negative, like I told you before, and that wasn't really helping me. So I was like, I'm going to switch my mindset and see how this works for me. And I wasn't thinking negative. So then, you know, I wasn't in those down moods as much. I was feeling less depressed. So I'm starting to feel better about myself. I'm a I'm a loner. I'd rather be to myself, you know, do my thing when I want to do it, how I want to do it. But, you know, this year I got out of my comfort zone and stopped being a loner. You know, I started getting around more people, trying to see what makes others who they are, trying to pull from the, the good habits that I was seeing. I think what made me successful is, as a young guy, I was trying to stay around the older guys. You know, I was, I was always with Cam Sims, talking to Dontrell Eman, talking to Terry all the time. Any person that I could pick their ear, I was picking their ear. Adrian Peterson before he left, constantly talking to him. So, I think that's the biggest thing is you you got to where you got doing what you were doing, but it's always something that you could do differently that might help you in the long run. Yeah. That's what I would like to tell people.
0: Oh, I'm so glad you brought that up because I say that all the time. The things that you've done so far in your life or the habits you have in place already have gotten you to where you are today. But to get you to, to where you want to go tomorrow, you have to do things differently to get there. Exactly. And so you mentioned a couple of things. One, you talked about, Ed, your agent. I think it's important for everybody to have someone in their life that is pushing them out of their comfort zone, that's challenging them, that's looking at helping them be better and to grow personally and professionally. And secondly, you mentioned bending the ear of these other guys who played in the league who you can learn from. And I think that's important, too. When we look at the people around us, it's important to look at are the people we're aligning ourselves, helping us to level up, not just because they're positive people, but because are the people that have walked in the shoes that we want to walk in so that we can learn from the things that they've done as well. So I'm so glad that you brought that up. So we're getting ready for this path to the draft series. Any shout outs you want to give to any draft prospects out there in this draft class?
1: I want to give a big shout out to Quincy Jose, know, plays Miami, who went to Temple. Brandon Matt plays wide receivers coming out from Temple. And that's about it for the people that's coming out this year. I just wanted to show some of my boys, but definitely be on the big look for Quincy O'Shea. Uh, You know, you're going to shock a lot of people this year.
0: Awesome. And is there any advice that you would give to anybody listening, any of the draft class, as they're thinking about getting picked up in the league and how they can have a successful rookie season?
1: Yes. My advice would be whenever that inner voice is telling you something, that intuition, believe it. For example, if you're sitting there and you're not liking the way you're playing, if something is telling you, man, I need to watch more film, watch more film. Like, all the answers that you need is inside of you, and you know exactly what you have to do. It's just doing it. And once you get transitioned from telling yourself what to do, and now you're just, whenever it happens, you're just doing it, you're on your way. And it's that simple.
0: I love that. Great advice. So, Zay, what I want to do now is I want to take you through my two-minute drill. It's different than last year. It's just ask you some fun questions. Are you ready? I hope so. (laughs) (laughs) All right. First question is, what did you want to be when you were 10 years old? Oh,
1: I wanted to be a doctor.
0: Okay. Well, Any particular kind?
1: Honestly, I wanted to work in the ICU. I wanted to do surgeries and stuff.
0: Oh, very cool. Yes. All right. <laughs> next question is, who would play you in a movie about your life?
1: Who would play me in a movie? I need this <laughs> Yeah, Denzel's going to have to play me.
0: That's a good choice. All right. My next question is, what is your favorite vacation spot?
1: Uh, see, I haven't really traveled like that, but from all the places that I have traveled, I would have to say I really love Florida. Like, Florida's got my heart.
0: Gotcha. So how about what what about where would you like to go?
1: I would love to visit Valley.
0: I've not been, but I've seen lots of pictures. It's on my list as well.
1: It looks so beautiful.
0: Yes. Oh yes. Absolutely. My next question is what is your favorite ice cream flavor?
1: Cookies and cream. It's a good one. Yes, sir. <laughs> All
0: right. How about what is a pet peeve of yours? I hate
1: when people ask you a question that they already know an answer to. Hmm. That is my biggest pet peeve.
0: Yes. All right. How about what book are you currently reading or what podcast are you currently listening to?
1: It's a couple of books that I would like to look into is more so like the financial books because I'm really big on financial freedom and just trying to do things the right way, especially now that I have the, the kind of income that I have. So that's the type of stuff that I've really been on heavy right now.
0: Okay. Uh, My last question as part of this drill is you are hosting a dinner party and you can invite three famous people, either living or deceased. Who would you choose and why?
1: Oh, that's a great question. I got a party. I need three people to come. Yes. Okay. I'm going to choose Biggie to come to my party. Okay. Biggie Smalls. Because, you know, Biggie is very influential in New York Mm -hmm. and... Most people know I'm from Waterbury. That was, you know, very similar to New York. So I feel like Biggie would just be able to bring a lot of the crowd from New York and also from, like, my town, you know what I'm saying? On top of what he already does, it'd be, you know, live. It'd be a lit thing to have Biggie at my party. And the second person I would have, you Hugh Hefner at my party, because now I know I'm having have a lot of beautiful women at my party. So I got the entertainment and the women covered. And the last person I would have in my party would be Dave Chappelle. I feel like that's a good time. And I like to laugh. I'm a goofy person. So I feel like if I got Dave Chappelle with me, we're going to have a great time.
0: Sounds like an entertaining party. (laughs) For sure. So as we're getting ready to close our show, I know you've shared so many great nuggets already, but any last piece of of advice that you would share with people listening?
1: Just continue to do what you already are doing. Be yourself. Don't let nobody change you or alter what you are trying to accomplish for yourself. Whenever things seem like it is at its worst time is when you are the closest to what you are trying to accomplish and you just have to move like that.
0: Oh, I love that. That's powerful. Thanks for sharing that. And before we close our show, I am going to give a big shout out to your mom because your mom is amazing. I absolutely love her.
1: <laughs> Thank you. I love my mama.
0: So Zay, tell people where can they follow you and keep up with you on your journey?
1: You can follow me on Instagram at it's only right. You can also follow me on Snapchat at it's only right with two T's at the end. My Twitter... It's underscore only, right? And yeah, madam I'm not boozing, fellas or ladies. Hit me up. We can chat.
0: Perfect. And we'll be sure to have those in the show notes. Zay, thank you so much for being on the show today. I've really enjoyed our conversation.
1: I, I appreciate you for having me again. You know, I always love coming on your show. Thank you again for having me.
0: Thanks, Zay. And thanks again to everyone for listening. And we will talk to you next time. Until then, make sure that you suit up, you show up, and you move the ball.